0: Welcome to episode 000060 of The Mission. My name is Daniel James, broadcasting to you once again from Radio City Docklands. I'd like to start off by acknowledging that I'm broadcasting on Wurundjeri Country, unceded at Wurundjeri Country, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And I note that this will always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Um, also, very much thanks to to Declan, who did a fabulous job steering the bus. That is the mission. Three weeks of excellent radio in my absence, during what turned out to be a very, very tumultuous time. Let's be honest. You know the the Black Lives Movement, the Aboriginal Lives Movement that um, run alongside that, parallel with that. Very, very. Um, tumultuous time, and he did a fantastic job speaking to some of the main players, particularly uh, uh, Marik Jonas and uh, Gary Foley, who, of course, is one of the, uh, the, the, the legends of, of the movement. I've enjoyed my couple of weeks off and uh, my, state, my stint on uh, Fake Fasters last week, but i got to tell you, it's pretty good to be back on the mesh. Um, seems like the virus is making a bit of a comeback, a resurgence, if you will. Well, I think Triple um, R listeners can rest assured that no matter what happens in the coming weeks and months in terms of restrictions, that is at this, at this stage is um, extremely likely that uh, you know at some point there will be a lifting of restrictions. We'll see where the next couple of weeks plays out. You know, we won't know the results of um, how lax people have been in terms of social distancing and. Uh, you know, family gatherings and the like for another couple of weeks. But let me reassure you that Triple R is extremely well positioned to remain on air, so you needn't worry about that. There's plenty of other things to worry about. So many people have put in so many hours and, and hard work to make sure that this uh, <laughs> this station of ours is uh, COVID-safe. Um, so before I get on to tonight's show. A little thing happened during the week, you know, amongst all the other big things that are happening. Um, You may have missed it. You probably did miss it because you have a life. (laughs) But um, there's been reports over the weekend that um, uh, out of the blue, our Prime Minister Scott Morrison has announced a National Day of Thanks, which will be held next year to honour every day Australian heroes who have pulled our country through the COVID-19 pandemic, not that we're through the COVID pandemic by any means at this moment. Um, So there are 365 days in the air. Um, So which one does the prime minister choose? He he chooses Australia Day Australia Day or Invasion Day as most of us are beginning to know it. And it's just just a little thing, but it's just another little pebble in, 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 in your foot, you know, in your shoe. This makes you limp just a little bit, doesn't feel quite right. I guess it's always the student politicians in charge. I mean, we've, we've seen great le- leadership across various jurisdictions during the COVID crisis. But um, we get the reminder, you know, pretty much on a weekly basis now that, yeah, okay, we're still pretty much governed by student politicians. <laughs> so, you know, it would seem that, you know, let's they're trying to like drive another wedge, another splintering into what is already the most divisive day on – um, the calendar, as far as I'm concerned, and it becomes increasingly divisive every year. Um, seems to me it's a clear political ploy in what is another shot aimed at reigniting the tiresome, the so tiresome cultural wars, also known as, known as the history wars, as mentioned by the Prime Minister himself. I think it was last week or the week before when he was caught out regarding his ignorance of slavery in this country. So anyway, it's not big news story right now, but it will become a big news story as we get closer and closer to uh, Australia Day, Invasion Day in January, which, um, you know, pretty much ruins January for, for First Nations people and uh, people of colour. The, the the tension leading up to, to that day and the, and the tension subsequent to that day is, um, you know, it takes weeks out of uh, First Nations people's lives, people of colour's life, people who have been repressed in this country, for, for, for generations it 's something that um, you know ruins a, a large chunk of uh, summer that and uh, the the burning of the planet earth of course, but on tonight 's show, I will be speaking with the CEO of the Aboriginal Legal Service of Western Australia Dennis adjuton we 're going to talk about uh, a change in the law in Western Australia that you may have heard mentioned on the show from time to time regarding the locking up of people. It cannot pay their fines or unable to pay their fines. Um, until recently, um, uh, WA police have had the power to lock up people who cannot pay their fines. And uh, just last week, with the uh, the passing of the fines, penalties, and infringement notices enforcement amendment amendment bill 2019, um, they are no longer to do no longer able to do that. And so the ca- the campaigning for change in this law, which um, unequ- unequally impacted on Aboriginal people, was instigated in earnest six years ago after the tragic death of Miss Dew in police custody. So we'll talk about that. And in the second half of the show, the new senator for Victoria, the one and only Lydia Thorpe, she's making history again. I guess it's what she does. She's I mean, she's she's an activist, but um, she should also put on her CV just history maker. So um, it promises to be uh, another good show. So um, stick around. Uh, the best way to contact me, of course, is via uh, my Twitter handle at Mr DT James. But uh, it's great to be back, and this is the mission on 102.7 Triple R Triple R to uh, tonight's first guest. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and in shows past. In Western Australia until just very recently, WA police have had the power to lock up people who cannot pay their fines. And um there has been a sustained campaign by members of the community, and in particular the family of uh, Miss Dew. Six years ago, Miss Dew, a young Yemitry woman, died in police custody after she was locked up and left to die in a South Headland police station for unpaid fines. Police officers and health professionals ignored Miss Dew's cries for help, and she died of septicemia and pneumonia three days after being detained. Her family have fought for law reform and justice ever since. And the ability of police to lock up people for unpaid fines uh, historically until very recently has resulted in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women being disproportionately locked up and harmed by imprisonment in lieu of being able to pay fines. Uh, The Aboriginal Legal Service of Western Australia has described the laws as criminalising the effects of racism, poverty and disadvantage. And so it's very apt that we have on the line right now the CEO of the Aboriginal Legal Service of Western Australia, Dennis Edgerton. Dennis is a Noongia man from the southwest region of Western Australia, a Nagyuk Professor and the CEO of the Aboriginal Legal Service of Western Australia. Dennis, welcome to the mission.
1: Yeah, look, uh, Daniel, thank you very much. And uh, just from the very top of it, can I just say a quick and warm hello to all of our listeners out there tonight. Um, It's such an important uh, issue to discuss, so I'm glad that you guys are spending some time on it.
0: Yeah, it's really important that everyone puts their shoulder to the wheel when it comes to reform like this, and I know um, you and your organisation and, and members of uh, your community over there have uh, been doing that tirelessly for a number of years. Um, how long has this reform been in the making, and, and why is it so important? No,
1: look, it's been in the making for a long, long time. Mm. Um, if you would want to date, let's say, 29 years ago, um, I think Recommendation 121 of the Royal Commission recommended that uh, um, Aboriginal people should not be imprisoned for um, not having the ability to pay a fine. But it, it goes back to today to dot, because um, unfortunately our mob have always thought that... Um, uh, the way that we can run our economies is by cutting our fines out. And it's quite well known in the Aboriginal community, whether it's Curries in Victoria's or Victoria or or um, you know, Murray's in Queensland or any of our mob over here, cutting out fines has been a way of life. But of course, um, that's one thing. But uh, you know, I I liken it to poor wretched souls who you know were Put on sailing ships for stealing a loaf of bread because they were hungry and impoverished, while people were sitting around drinking, drinking wine and eating cake. And the fact is, is that what kind of civilized society in the 21st century would be locking up people because they're too poor or too mm. disadvantaged to pay, pay pay a fine? You know, Daniel. The other thing that uh, people probably uh, uh, need to know, and that is that. Some of these fines outweigh their are uh, their fortnightly payments. So you get four hundred and fifty dollars off Centrelink, mm. and you get a fine for eight hundred dollars. You've got no way of paying that, you know. So you you're in trouble. So it's been a long time in the making, and then of course very recently, as you rightfully said, the uh, tragic case of Miss Jew brought it back to the forefront of the public's uh, attention and. And uh, something had to be done about it, and our government here was brave enough to um, do something. Uh, Daniel, if you ask me, I'm hoping I'm hoping that the economics of it wasn't the driving factor because I mean it, it you know for a for a person to be jailed for a four hundred dollar fine and a, and a, and it it's seven hundred dollars to lock someone up a night being the economy of it is, is all askew as well, but I would hope that it's really people social conscious about the right thing, wanting a better society, not not just the economics of it. Yeah, you, you'd,
0: you, you would like to think that there was a bit of humanity behind the decision. Um, as as we've seen in other states, Dennis, um, like here in Victoria, the family of Tanya Day, it is, is the, it's the families that have to move past their grief and their anger and lead the charge towards reform around matters like this. And so has been the case, of obviously, with Miss Hughes' family over there in, in WA. Um, can you just go some way to, to describing them and, and their efforts for us?
1: Look, uh, originally, the ALS represented the family right up until uh, the time of the inquest, and... Um, Uh, All I can say is they were devastated, beautiful young woman who rang the police because she was in trouble. And one of the things about these matters, Daniel, is that many times, and you did rightfully mention in the beginning that um, women are disproportionately picked up and Aboriginal women for the non-payment of fines. But the fact is, is that... uh, um, I know personally through our customer notification service and other really um, bad examples here in WA is that people ring up the police for help. Mm. Uh, police come and say, "Well, we've got a warrant for commitment. You haven't paid your fines," and and people who ring up because their life is being threatened end up being put in jail. So family was devastated, and um, and if you look at the history of Miss Jew who started off by having an incident in a parking room, a disorderly, and right through to the fine she got, Miss um, Jew was was not in any way a criminal. She wasn't even a part of any criminal activity other than being poor and being an Aboriginal woman who found it difficult um, to get through that justice system in a fair and equitable way. And, and so the right family was rightfully very excuse me, hurt, disturbed, and, of course, very, very angry, um, just like anyone would be if uh, if that happened to your loved one and anyone who saw that footage, their hearts would have just gone out to the family. You know, people being treated like a you know, like a dead kangaroo just thrown around and, and pulled and dragged around. Um, and it reminded me of poor old Mr Ward who was basically cooked uh. in the back of that... Uh, that van, and you know, it's just so tragic. And just, um,
0: just, just touch on that yeah. for a second, Dennis. I think that's that's. Um, I hate talking about death and custody, but we need to talk about death and custody. Talk about talk at that about that particular case because I think that's one that was particularly horrid. But I think it's something that's kind of like slipped the memory of a lot of people. Um, describe what happened to to that poor man.
1: Well, Mr. Ward, of course, and you've got to remember, he was very special. not Not only was he a, not only was a was he a, a special lawman in his own right, but we've got we've seen footage of him and his family coming out of the bush for the very first time, never ever having any contact with non-Aboriginal people. He he, he was one of the last lot of of um, uh, people to come out of the desert. Um, living a life free or being involved with any kind of connection to to the white man's society. So in a sense, these people are living treasures and should Mm. be treated as living treasures. But, um, you know, he was really intoxicated. He had um, um, some offences that were outstanding. Um, He uh, went and got picked up by the police. And even before he went to court... In front of the justice of the peace, he didn't even get a chance to go in front of a magistrate. He went to a justice of the peace, but before he even did that, the police had already called the the, uh, the uh, uh, prison van to come and pick him up before he was even um, uh, deemed um, suitable for for lockup. So, uh, one of the things that people concentrated on was the treatment by the uh the workforce G four who were doing all of the transporting of people to to prisons and jails and things and but but basically the police had already rang them to come and pick him up before the Justice of the Peace had actually charged him. So um you know what kind of justice is that? And and it was so hot in the back of that van. Now I can tell people and it's really horrible and it's terrible, Daniel, because it's it's such a terrible story that his body was burnt, so he had burn marks on his body from where he was laying on the on the metal floor of the van, and he was put in a in a ice bath for hours, three hours, and couldn't even bring his temperature down. Um, I mean, who treats people like that? Who treats people like that, Daniel? It's um,
0: it's uh, it's 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 unspeakable. It's um, unbelievable. It's um, but it's it's something that that keeps happening. Um, you know, we've we've seen the the the, the Aboriginal Lives Matter movement really uh, take hold over the last couple of weeks. Um, those of us who have been around for a while know that it's been around for a lot longer than two or three weeks. It's been around for decades and decades and decades. Um, Western Australia is proportionally um, it has the highest number of deaths in custody when compared to any other state, even our largest populated state. Uh, New South Wales, w- what is it about Western Australia that has seen these tragically large numbers when it comes, I mean, over 100 numbers, uh, sorry, over 100 deaths in custody since the Royal Commission in 1991? W- what is it about the Western Australian justice system that, that leads to to this amount of carnage?
1: Look, I'm going to have a guess at this, and uh, because sometimes it blows my mind. But let me just uh, also uh, let you know that we now have a custody notification service in WA, which was a part of the recommendation of the Royal Commission. Only took us 29 years after the Royal Commission to get this custody notification. Is that all? Um, every state. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, every state and territory are running at about 300, 350 calls per week. We have over 600. Wow. So we're we're arresting Aboriginal people at a rate double that of any other state and territory. I, I do admit it's dropped down a little bit since COVID's been around, but um, pre-COVID we were a 600-plus, and um, that's an indictment on this state. I I think in my own way that um, the, the invasion of Aboriginal land and the settlement of that, the colonisation of that is... Um, has to has to maintain a, um, a power base. So the the colonial, settler society that really benefited. And, and remember, most Australians don't benefit from that either. The wall's been pulled over their eyes. Mm. But, but to maintain the power, so that you've got multi billionaires who are making millions and billions of dollars a year, for them to maintain that, we have to be denied our rights. And the only way you can deny our rights is continue to um, use conflict and conquest, but by other means. So, no longer guns, no longer, no longer uh, horses and bayonets. But it's um, it's the policing, it's the it's the treatment, it's this discriminatory nature of what we're talking about now. That Mr. Ward's and others, um, because that denies us our real and rightful place in this country. Australia is a signatory to the rights. Um, the the Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, which say that we as Aboriginal people have got a right to the resources of our traditional lands. Well, how best to deny us those rights by keeping us sick, our hospitals full of Aboriginal people, dying 20 years younger and locking us up at the rate. That's how you in the 21st century you stop us having our rightful um, place in society and our rightful connection to the resources and the wealth. So I think WA, being a mining mining state, relying heavily on mining, has to continue to oppress its Aboriginal people um, more than anywhere else, and I, I think there lies the answer to it.
0: We have a um, we have a pretty uppity uh, community here in Melbourne, and I think that the Triple R listenership is is pretty uppity as well. Um, is 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 there anything that um, people listening now can do to? Kind of exposed the light on what's happening to Aboriginal people in Western Australia because uh, you know it's so far away that, and we have enough problems here. But you know, in terms of of, of justice and, and deaths in custody and all Black lives matter and all Aboriginal lives matter, Western Australia is the is is the front line. Is there anything that we can do from this side of the country to put our shoulder to the wheel to assist you over there? Yeah,
1: certainly, um, certainly, just continue to. Um, continue to support us through social media um, when we have um, uh, tragedies to get behind us. I've been in my job long enough to know that it's only a matter of time before we have another Miss Jew or Mr Ward or a young John Pat. Remember poor old John Pat, young boy, 17 years old. Beaten to death, beaten to death. And... um, it's only going to be a matter of time before something else happens. We had some footage that came out from The Guardian um, recently, and that footage showed a young Aboriginal boy in uh, 2018 handcuffed and slammed into the concrete with, with a couple of police putting their um, knees into his back. Now, and
0: that, that, that report um, came out this morning, and um, uh, there was an investigation into that, into the treatment of that boy and it, and it um, yeah. found that the, that the police had no answer to, nothing to answer to.
1: Yeah, no, no answer, and, and, and there lies one of the problems, and I think if people can get behind um, a campaign to make sure that um, that police do not investigate police, that there's independent um, uh, independent organisations in Western Australia and all over Australia that um investigate matters where where police are involved we can't have police investigating police that's just ridiculous is there any
0: is there really any equivalent of a, an ipac ibac or an icac over there in, in western australia
1: um no but what we have got which is uh, which is a good move and i think we're the only state um, in australia that has it we have an inspector for custodial services that can at any any stage Go directly into a prison, um, not so much a police lockup because um, uh, I don't know whether we've ratified those protocols on, um, at the United Nations. But um, uh, we we find that the police now um, are quite quick at moving people through the lockups. They don't want um, blood on their hands, so they quickly move people through here. You know, WA started and kicked off the age of um, criminal responsibility so um, we've been calling for a long time because over here at any time we can have 10 year olds in adult lockups who have been charged with crimes whether it's stealing a Freddo frog or receiving a you know a, 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 an ice cream that's been stolen from a shop and the international norm is 15 years old 12 to 15 and and we've got to make these changes we've got to Change the um, public's opinion about um, 10-year-old, and if you couple that with things Daniel like um, uh, alcohol fetal syndrome, then we've got we've got people who are 12, 15, um, who uh, really have the brain capacity of just a child. So, you know, the, all of these things matter, and um, I think if people in the eastern states do realise that this is the wild, wild west, and that there seems to be this impenetrable Nullarbor plain where people can't seem to get across to see what's really going on then. Um, I just want to encourage everyone to keep an eye on WA, support us over here. Um, We certainly um, uh, contributed to the Royal Commission, which had those big rallies in Victoria and in in, in Sydney and places like that. Um, we're, We're all... This social construct of race is such a horrible, evil thing. We're all members of the human race. We're all one family. And for um, people to be um, divided up into different races for um, uh, things of a nasty, evil nature is a blight on humanity. And Australia is a better place than that. We could really make this country great. We could really just absolutely... Get rid of colonialism because, like I said, the um, settler society interests through the colonial institutions is what drives this country, and we can start again. You know, this country should be negotiating with First Nations peoples to um, a negotiated, uh, a future Australia where you know we've we've got a country built on truths and freedoms, and not on lies and 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 the horrible things that have happened in the past. And if we do that, then we can get to a future Australia that um, we can all be proud of. But it it won't be Australia that's governed by those um, colonial interests. It'll be um, an Australia that has exited colonisation. We've left it behind. We've got some good things from our past. There's some good things from our lived history together. Let's take those forward, but we have to actually really then Um, create this new country which isn't based on colonial interests. And I think that if we can get that message across to people and if people, uh, from your original question, what can we do, just support us, keep an eye on what's going on in WA because we're the litmus test for um, the humanity of this country. And one of the things that I always have said, Daniel, that we as Aboriginal people can... Give to this new Australia, we can give you our values, of our traditional values of caring, sharing and respect, embed them in our new society. And all of these poor souls that have passed away from being deaths in custody are now shining lights, taking us to that future yeah. place. Let's, let's, let's let them show us the way.
0: It is 29 to 8 here on Triple R in Australia on the 23rd of June 2020. Uh, before I um, I'll let you go, Dennis, um, Dennis Edgerton, the um, CEO of the uh, Aboriginal Legal Service of Western Australia, are there any other reforms, just quickly, that you would like to see addressed in the immediate future?
1: Oh, look, there's, there's whole heaps of things that we can reform the criminal justice system, but Daniel, I've got to be really honest with our listeners. It's um, it's the wheel's not broken. the The policies aren't aren't policies that have gone wrong. this is this is a deliberate attempt to keep Aboriginal people um, in a place of subserviency. And you know uh, the real issue for reform is to give us what we had all the time. For, for the last big social transformation was when hundreds of self-governing First Nations groups were governing ourselves and looking after our own affairs. Then came the um, invasion, and it will now, we don't want another social transformation built on conflict and conquest, we want to negotiate a new country, but we have got this inherent right to govern ourselves. And until then, we will live in an occupied country, and and I think that um people understand they they will say, "Well, you're not living on the East Bank in Beirut or anything, but for us Aboriginal people, our country's occupied. we're such a minority, we can't do anything about it, but it's killing us, it's making us sick. and we um uh, you know, we, we don't deserve to be treated. I sometimes think, what is it that we've actually done wrong to be treated like this, Daniel? I sometimes despair at that particular question. So I think the reforms really are, are not about reforming criminal justice systems and trying to trying to fix a gammon broken wheel because it's not broken. This is deliberate social construct to um, keep us where we are, and that is in jails and sick. And out of schools, and um, are really not giving us our, our rights that we deserve as First Nations peoples in this country. So, they are the sorts of reforms that I think we need.
0: Well, it's no small task, Dennis. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, keep up the, the the good fight, and um, I wish uh, you and yours all, all the best. Thank you for your time this evening.
1: Uh, it's an absolute pleasure, Daniel. Thanks for having me on the show. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au.
0: And we're on to our second guest this evening. Uh, she is no stranger to the show. She's a Gunaikurnai Gundijamara woman and the former member of Northcote in the Victorian State Parliament. But on the weekend, she was elected by the Australian Greens as their new senator to replace the former leader, Richard Di Richard who was retired from politics. So, hence, she is the new senator for the state of Victoria, um, an unimaginative name for a state, I reckon. Anyway, um, Lydia Thorpe, welcome back to the mission.
2: Thanks for having me, Brother Daniel. It's deadly to be back, and um, I'll always say... Support community radio because we're the ones that talk the truth.
0: That's exactly right. Well, that's what we try to do anyway. If I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> the only the only time I don't talk to, to the truth is when I'm self grandioising. But um, but let's leave that to one side. <laughs> um, congratulations on your appointment. How how's your week
2: been? Uh, it's been quite busy. Um, you know, because I still have children and a dog and a husband and a house to try and keep control of. And, yeah, it's been very, very busy. Um, the Murdoch media have um, given me a run for my money, but, you know, I love a good uh, – I love a few rounds. Um, being, you know, coming from the Fitzroy and Collingwood, we're used to that. So bring it on, Murdoch, um, <laughs> I say. And if it gives an opportunity to speak some more truth, then – then, yeah, it's an opportunity that I I don't want to miss.
0: So you did an interview with um, News Corp earlier this week and, um, you know, they asked you about uh, place names and and you suggested quite rightly that, you know, know, any place name that sort of celebrates the destruction of uh, uh, First Nations people... Or celebrates those that committed atrocities against First Nations people, then perhaps we should probably think about renaming or rebranding some of those places. And then, of course, that ended up with somehow um, uh, Pauline Hanson ended up being um, ended up speaking on uh, <laughs> on breakfast uh, television. I think it was uh, the Today Show, and um, she did about she she did her best to um, speaking, you know, full sentences, you know, basically, you know. Tarnishing you, attacking you. Um, what did you mean by what you told It was good
2: though. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. See, this is the problem the Senate's going to have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, well, I enjoyed it because she called me Lydia.
0: Yeah. And
2: it's that, you know, that's an old family joke, you know. Like, yeah. I've, we've already played that joke in my lounge room many times. My kids have called me that. It's just a funny thing. And and I actually laughed when she said it and thought, okay, well, you haven't even given me the opportunity yet to, um, you haven't even met me yet, Auntie. Auntie Pauline, girl. Um, So if you, you know, I found it a bit rude in terms of how you would approach someone coming in. Um, And another woman coming into that space is probably not the best approach to take um, in, you know, going on the attack straight up. So, you know, I just think that I don't want to go into that place and play like schoolyard games. I want to go into that place and change a nation. And if she doesn't want to do that, then she'll be left behind, I think.
0: Yeah, it's just... um it's just really disappointing every time that there's a, a nuanced discussion to be had about the way we look at this country and and the way we um, establish monuments, celebrate monuments, celebrate uh, people in history, um, no matter what their background is, um, and 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 you know no matter the atrocities that they've committed against Aboriginal people, and you would know about the the McMillan uh, statues down in um, on your country, down in uh, Gippsland, as it's so called. Um, that every time we try and have a nuanced discussion about these things, they wheel out people like uh, Pauline Hanson to, uh, you know... <laughs> OK, this is this is a, this is is an mm. issue that needs to be discussed around, you know, the way we identify as a nation and the way First Nations people feel about reconciliation and the way that we um, can potentially reconcile between uh, black and white Australia in the future. So let's get a white supremacist on the show to talk about it. Yeah,
2: and, and I think... You know, I, I I think things are changing. Though I think the response from people, you know, about what Murdoch media are doing right now is has just been incredible. Mm. Um, the people that are reaching out, saying how disappointed they are with Murdoch's approach, um, you know, are Labour people, are Liberal people. You'd be surprised at the people that are contacting me, um, showing their support and solidarity and telling me not to stop what I'm doing. These are people from other parties. And so I think, you know, I'm willing to play the game and and go a a few rounds with them if this means that it's actually showing them up for their bad behaviour and allowing truth to be told Rather than shy away from it and and not uh, engage.
0: I mean, we have we have bipartisan support from ex prime ministers Kevin Rudd and Malcolm Turnbull, who um, are highly critical of the way the Murdoch media has um, you know conducted itself in in, in recent history. Um, but let's get to some moment um, mm. some some matters of uh, political and policy substance. Um, you've been a critic of the Uluru statement um it's the green's policy to support the statement as it is but you would like to see a, um, a greater emphasis on on a treat on a, on a treaty can you talk me through your approach to, to to this
2: sure um so i yeah look i've i have opposed the, um the process of getting to the Uluru statement because it was invite only and you know left out a lot of grassroots, voices around the country uh, and if people delved into um, that kind of, well, I, I call it a denial of grassroots voices, they only need to scratch the surface and you'll hear black solids across this country saying how disappointed they are in that process and, and what came about as a result, which is now the statement from the heart. Um, so my Priority. uh, So my position on the Uluru statement is about sequence. It's a sequence of events. So we need to go through a truth-telling process, which is what the statement from the heart calls for, and I completely 100% support that. Uh, Then it talks about a you know some form of constitutional recognition or a voice to Parliament, whereas I don't agree with that particular. Um, way forward, I think we need to talk about a treaty first before we talk about any form of constitutional recognition. We're talking about uh, a—you col- know—we're all part of this colonial project, right? We mm. are a part of this Australian Constitution, which has been imposed upon us. It's not something we ask for. It's something that it has been imposed on Aboriginal people. It's the law of the colonizers. That's that's. That they've bought here. Now we have the oldest law on the planet, so um, I'm, you know, I'm sure people understand what I'm saying when I say that, and it's it is a it's a conflict. Uh, so we need to have a treaty to sort that out, and constitutional recognition can be a negotiation point as part of a treaty process. We shouldn't be jumping into the Australian Constitution if we haven't talked about a treaty first, and we haven't, you know, basically um, settled this country once and for all. We've we've never settled. There's never been a treaty. We're the only Commonwealth country in the world that doesn't have a treaty with its first people. We need to address that. It's time to have a treaty in this country, but it can't be a bureaucratic process. It can't be run by the government. We need to have one that is internationally scrutinised. There is a Geneva Convention on treaties. We want it to be part of this treaty here. We need to learn from the treaties that have been broken all around the world, and we need to have a treaty here that, you know, that everyone can be a part of. It's not just a black thing. It's it's every everyone in this country needs to be a part of this treaty conversation. And I think that's a way that we can unite and go forward, forget change the date, forget, you know, uh, 26th of January conversations and reconciliation and all the things that we keep having to deal with time after time. Let's get back to the issue here and let's once and for all settle this country. Let's end the war on Aboriginal people in this country. And a treaty, I believe, can do that. It's a mechanism to stop this injustice against Aboriginal people in this country. We're
0: speaking with uh, Senator-elect Lydia Thorpe, um, the new yeah. Green Senator and the Senator of Victoria that's going to be taking a seat as a First Nations woman in the Red House. Um, what are you expecting to find when you get to Canberra? I mean, S- Spring Street is, is one thing, but the, the glare of the of the press gallery and the cast of characters that is the Australian Senate is um, something completely different altogether. What What, what are you anticipating?
2: No one's asked me that. Um, what am I anticipating? <clears throat> I'm anticipating a lot of resistance to what I have to say. <laughs> um, I'm anticipating um, some awkwardness. I mean, you know, even in the Victorian Parliament when I spoke truth, uh, there was a lot of you know squirming in chairs and you know awkward faces. I I expect that again. Um, I expect people to feel uncomfortable, which I hope that they do, because that's what truth does, right? It makes people feel uncomfortable. Um, I expect um, people to understand. I expect, um, you know, I want to be a part of the the Aboriginal uh, collective that they have, so that's cross-parties. Um, where Aboriginal people come together and and talk about I don't know what, so I want to be part of that. Um, Yeah, and I expect to invite people from the the tent embassy in often to um, keep me grounded.
0: Yeah, well, you know, they're just down down the... They're just down the... I don't know, is it a boulevard? I don't know what it is, but... um, just the other side of the old Parliament House and they've been there for a long time and they'll be there for a, a long time to come until we get some justice in this country. Before I let you go... 1972. 1972, exactly right. I'm led to believe. Before I let you go... And uh, I'll get you back on the show some other time to, to reflect on perhaps, you know, your first week or your first couple of weeks in, 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 the, big, in the big house. But has the, uh, mm-hmm. has the Greens leadership given any thought to either physical restraints or pharmaceutical restraints that they might apply to you to stop yourself from um, actually physically assaulting people in the Senate?
2: <laughs> um, no. I'm
0: glad you laughed.
2: I know I grew up in the hard knocks and I know I had to fight for survival, but I've learnt to do it with my mouth. Good on and you. And it's um, – I don't do it, you know, it, it's different. And I use my anger in a way that is much more sophisticated. Uh, I, I understand how people think now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this and I won't be um, – I won't have those fights in Parliament. I'll have them. I, I want to bring people along on the journey, you know. I want to make friends with people, people that you would not even imagine. I want to have a coffee with Pauline Hanson. Sure. So sure, sure. I have her want to Pauline Hanson.
0: No, exactly. Um.
2: <laughs> well, I've got two redhead granddaughters, so I'm not sure she knows that, but it's something I want to share with her because it's something we've got in common. So let's talk about what we've got in common, rather than what we disagree on, and that's what I want to lead with.
0: Well, all power to you. Uh, when do you actually officially become a senator?
2: Uh, we're still. Uh, it's around early August.
1: Okay. Early cool. August.
2: I'm still like struggling with the whole Senator thought thing. It's it's a bit of a running joke. And you, and you get a pin as my well. Country at Lake Tyve.
0: You get a pin as well, so it's just
2: a pin. Do
0: I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, do I have to school you and everything? Um, <laughs> you get a you get a pin. Anyway, I've got to go. Best of luck. Um, whether you great, whether you vote Greens or not, you should be proud that there's a First Nations woman from Victoria representing um, her beliefs and our state. So, um, Lydia Thorpe, thank you so much for your time.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission. A weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.